let's take our Bibles this morning and let's go to the Gospel according to Luke, all right? Go to Luke's Gospel this morning, chapter number 13. Chapter 13, I am very aware of the time and I will preach fast if you will listen fast, all right? Deal? Okay, some of you are still awake with me on that? Okay, good. But, uh, but if you fall asleep on me, I'm going to preach as long as I want to, all right? But, uh, but anyway, but Luke chapter 13 is where we'll be this morning. As we're still going through on Sunday mornings, going through the miracles of Christ, we find in the gospel records, and each time we come to them, I want you to be reminded of this very fact, all right? Keep in mind the reason we have the, the mighty miracles of Christ. They're not just there for a show, though Herod wanted to see that in Luke 23. That's not the reason they're there. They're not there just to draw a following, though many people follow Jesus Christ because of what he did for them. They're not there just to help people, though Jesus helped thousands. We know this as we look at them. But that's not the main purpose behind them. Not even the main purpose behind them was to show the power of Christ, though each, one, each time you read them, each time you see them, you see that there's nothing too hard for the Lord. I'm thankful for that. But that's not the main purpose. The main purpose behind the miracles of Christ we read in the gospel records is this, to show who Jesus really is. To show that He is the Son of God. To show that He is the Messiah, that He is Christ. That He is God come in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Even Nicodemus, who was a ruler of the Jews, came to Jesus by night and said, No man can do these things that thou doest except God be with them. He understood that this man was more than just a man. He understood that. He was more than just a man. Understand something, folks. Jesus is the Almighty. Revelation 1 and verse number 8. And these miracles prove it over and over and over again. Here's what the Apostle John said in John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So this is why we have these, folks. This is why we have these miracles recorded for us in the gospel records to show that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And seeing this fact and understanding this truth should cause you and I to come to Jesus as our Savior, and then we can have life through His name. So once again, allow these miracles to bring you to Jesus, all right? All right, let's look at another one this morning. And we'll be in Luke chapter 13, and we'll read verses 10 through 17 here shortly. But this miracle is only recorded in Luke's gospel, which I find interesting. I find this interesting, this miracle being recorded here by Luke only, because in a moment when we read this, we'll find that there is a woman here who has a rare physical and medical condition. And this condition, and miracle, no doubt, would have brought uh, some interest to Luke, seeing that Luke himself was a physician, who was a doctor, all right? Even as Paul said this about, about Luke in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 14, he said, the beloved physician, speaking of Luke. So with this, with this disease, with this condition this woman had, it would have drawn some attention from the good doctor, Dr. Luke himself, all right? So let's look at it this morning, Luke chapter 13, and we'll read in verse number 10 through 17. And he was touched in one of the, or he was teaching in one of the synagogues <clears throat> on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from mine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. 
And a ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered, answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, meaning she was a Jewish lady, all right, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by them. Let's pray again. Father, we thank you for the word of God. I pray in these few moments we have left together, I pray you should open our hearts to it. Help us, I ask, to have a complete understanding and apply the scriptures to our lives. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so from this miracle, I would like to notice a few things. Number one, notice this. Understand and take note of the woman's condition. The woman's condition. Now, this lady here, as the Bible says, has a spirit of infirmity. Uh, this word infirmity could, could be rendered disease, okay? So she had a disease, if you will, that has caused her to be bowed together, to be bent over double. Now, we don't know exactly what disease it would have been. It could have been. I, I tried to find out. I tried to look up what this disease could have been. It could be some form of scoliosis. Uh, it could have been <clears throat> some form of kyphosis. Or perhaps it could be this word I'm going to try to pronounce. You won't laugh at me yet, okay? It could be this one. Aniculosine spodilistis. No, I'm not speaking in tongues, okay? That is a medical terminology. But if you do a quick research of these medical conditions, you'll find quickly a story of a man who they've dubbed the name the folded man. He had this kind of disease. But it's said about this man who had this disease, it says that this case, this man's case was so severe that his upper body folded onto his thighs. Three parts of his body were connected. His chin to his chest, his breastbone to his pubic bone, his face to his thigh bone. But after undergoing four operations at a Chinese university hospital in which his bones were literally broken and reconstructed, he finally stood straight after 28 years. I could not imagine having my face literally on my thigh trying to live that way. So picture in your mind, this is how this woman's living. This is her condition. She is bowed over. She is bent over double. And she's living this way for 18 years. I can't imagine. I can't imagine having to live that way. But this woman did so. And uh, if you're like me, we have the curiosity, right? Anybody curious from time to time? Like, how does this stuff happen, right? So no doubt, if you're like me, you want to answer or ask that question. And... Uh, you would ask it, about, ask it about her. But in this particular case, it is interesting and as bizarre even and even mysterious as it sounds, this infirmity, this disease that she had come upon her was, listen, because of the devil. Now, I am not saying that every disease or infirmity that someone has is because of the devil. There are people that will teach that and will preach that and will say that I am not one of them. I'm not one of those individuals. I don't believe that every sickness or every sniffle comes from the devil, all right? I don't think that. But in this case, we know this one, this one did. We know this devil caused the infirmity of this woman. 
We know the devil was attacking this woman in her body, making her life miserable, maybe because she was, again, a daughter of Abraham, a Jewish lady. And the devil hates God's chosen people, Israel, all right? So it could be that could be the reason. But I want you to notice quickly about her condition. So you got it in your mind, all right? Try to paint a picture of what she looks like. Been over, okay? Been over double. Just, her, just picture her face to her thigh for 18 years. But notice about her condition as well, all right? Her condition would have seemed at this moment endless. Look again at verse number 11. The Bible says this. There was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. What's the next word? Eighteen years. Eighteen years. The Bible says this woman was in this condition for eighteen years. Now, we don't know if she was eighteen years old or she contacted this later on in her life and just been dealing with it for eighteen years. We don't know exactly, but whatever the situation, we know that this is a long time to deal with this kind of condition. Eighteen years is a long time. It would seem there's no hope of getting better. It would seem there's no help coming her way. It would seem that she'd be this way the rest of her life. It would seem this condition would be endless. But then notice this. It would seem this condition would also be she's helpless. Look at verse 11 again. It says this. Infirmity 18 years and was bound together and could in no wise lift up herself. She was helpless. She could not lift up herself. She could not straighten herself up, could not pick herself up, could not help herself. She needed someone to help her. No doubt she was dependent on others around her, but she needed help. She needed help, but the real help she needed couldn't come from family members and friends, though no doubt they wanted to help her. It couldn't come from the individuals who were part of her synagogue, all right? The real help she needed. It couldn't even come from the ruler of the synagogue. The real help she needed had to come from God Himself. It had to come from the Lord Jesus Christ. She was helpless in her current situation all by herself. She was helpless. And such as us, in our spiritual state, in our lost state, we are helpless. All right? We need the Lord to intervene. And by the way, He did when He gave His Son, the Lord Jesus Cross, for you on the cross of Calvary. He intervened. And the Bible says, If He be lifted up, He draw all men unto Himself. And he was lifted up on that cross. And therefore, he died for you, was buried for you, and rose again for you. Therefore, come to him. Listen, we need the Lord. And so did this lady. This lady needed the Lord in her condition. Why? Because she was helpless. But I want you to see this in her condition as well. And this is really part I want to get to in this first point. Because it thrills me. It helps me every single time that I read this phrase. She was helpless, but notice this. Jesus saw her. Look at verse 12 with me. And when Jesus saw her, when Jesus saw her, now as we've gone through the miracles of Christ, we've seen this phrase a few times. We've seen how Jesus saw the widowed lady at Nain who was about to bury her only son. Jesus saw her. We know that Jesus saw the other multitudes who were hungry and starving as a they were needing bread. Of course, he fed them with the bread and fish. We know that. He saw them. We've seen this phrase over and over. But every time I see it, I am highly encouraged. Uh, no doubt during his synagogue service, there were multitudes of people, uh, people who were needing help, people who were needing the Lord. There's a group of people here who all had needs. But yet, this woman here, in the midst of that crowd, this woman here, Jesus saw her 
out of all those people, Jesus saw her individual need. Understand, Jesus was drawn to the heart with the greatest need at this, at this moment. Jesus was drawn to her. This highly encourages me. Don't know why? Here's why. Because sometimes in our moments, when it seems that we're going through difficulties, trials, whatever it may be, you can fill in the blank. It would seem that nobody knows what you're going through. You may sing the old song, nobody knows. All the trouble I've seen, you know. You start singing that and get a little bit of a pity party kind of thing. We have the temptation to think nobody knows. Nobody sees what I'm going through. Nobody knows what I'm facing. Nobody knows the anguish and turmoil. Really, it's in my heart. Nobody sees my tears. Nobody hears my cries. Nobody knows the pain. Nobody sees it. I'm all alone. But I'm reminded over and over again as I read these miracles, and especially see this phrase when it says that Jesus saw her, I'm reminded that we are not alone that we have a God who does see and does know, that we have a God who is a personal God. He's not just a God way up in heaven and you're way down here on earth. He has nothing to do with you. That is not our God. He's a very personal Savior. I'm thankful He wants to be involved in your life. He sees and He knows. Understand there's never a time we're out of God's sight. Never. The Bible says this in Psalm 33, 13, The Lord looketh from heaven and beholdeth all the sons of men. In Proverbs 15, 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. In 1 Peter 3, 12, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Just understand this morning, God does know and He does see. He saw this woman. He knew her. Knew what she was going through. Knew the pain she had suffered. Knew the misery that she had been put under by the devil himself. He knew this. And listen, he knows what you're going through as well. You're not alone. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 5, For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You're not alone. Isaiah 41, 41 verse 10, Fear thou not. I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Please know something this morning. If you take nothing else this morning from this message, know this. You're not alone. God knows what you're going through. He knows what's going through your heart. He knows what's going through your marriage. He knows what's going on with your kids. He knows everything. Why? Because He sees it all. He cares. He knows. All right. So we see this woman's condition. Yes, it was seen by everyone, but especially, and more importantly, by the Lord. And God showed up and helped her in her time of need. But this second thing I want you to see this morning is this. Number two, not only see the woman's condition, but number two, see the ruler's indignation. Look at verse 14. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work, in them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, in my margin of my Bible, what I have done in my mind here is I have read this statement of this ruler of the synagogue. I put here, man, you crazy. I mean, honestly, that is about the craziest statement <laughs> you can make before all your people 
And in front of this woman, and in front of the Lord Jesus Christ, the craziest thing this man could have done. What do you mean by that? Okay, here's what I mean. You see, this ruler looked at all the evidence that took place. Then he looked at the people in his congregation and said, You, you see what this man here, talking about Jesus, you see this man here, you see what he did, how he helped this lady, how he healed this lady, but he did so on this day, the Sabbath day, dun, 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 you know. He said, that's not when you did it. He's looking at his people and even looking at Jesus and saying, that's not how it's supposed to be done. You're looking at the Lord of glory and saying, that's not how it's supposed to be done. That's plumb crazy, folks, okay? Rebuking the Lord, being critical of him, and causing this man to be so angry at what Jesus has done here is just it's just plain crazy to me. This is crazy. So, when I look at this fella, the ruler of the synagogue, when I look at him, and I have to ask this question again. I have to ask questions. It helps me to learn. helps me to grow. But I have to ask this question. Why would you be so critical and make such a uh, just crazy statement about the Lord and about what happened? Why would you be so critical of the Lord and be so upset at Jesus? I mean, after all, what Jesus did was fantastic and great. And she might have been a, a, a member of your synagogue for 18 years. You couldn't do nothing, by the way. Uh, but so, so why would you be so upset over this? It's a wonderful thing. Well, I believe the answer is this. The same reason people get upset today when the Lord is working, because it seems to be out of routine or out of tradition. But here's the main reason. I believe he got upset at this is because of this. Listen. Because he lost sight of God. He lost sight of the Lord. Understand the ruler of the synagogue had a specific job. He had a specific job of to call everybody together. Uh, he, would, he would find somebody, ask a volunteer to read the Old Testament Scriptures, to find a portion of Scripture and read it. And then he would give some application and interpretation from that portion of Scripture. And then what he would do is have someone lead in prayer, what he did during the synagogue time, it was uh, it was simple, but yet very very important. So basically, what his job was to do, listen, as a ruler of the synagogue, was to point people to God. All right, to point people to God. But in this text, it would seem he lost sight of that. After Jesus healed this woman, understand the ruler did not care about her did not care about that. Instead, got mad and ridiculed and berated Christ. We've looked at these scriptures over and over from the Isaiah, how you would know that God has come. And one of those reasons they would know that God has come is because he would heal. And if anyone knew those scriptures, it should have been the ruler of the synagogue. He should have known that their God, their Messiah, the Christ, has come, seen it through the power and the working of Jesus Christ. He should have known this. But instead of bowing the knee, instead of rejoicing with the other people, including this woman, what did he do? Got mad, pitched a fit, berated the Lord, ridiculed Christ. Why? He lost sight of God. He lost sight of God. Understand when someone really walks with the Lord and, and knows the Lord and sees an individual come to Christ or sees an individual get right with God or sees an individual whose life is changed by the Lord. That individual that has a spiritual bone at all in their body will surely rejoice with them as well. But that's not the case here. 
Instead, he got mad. He would, he, the Bible says he was, uh, verse, verse 14, the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, horrendously angry, because he had lost sight, lost sight of God. And that's why Jesus looks at him in verse 17 and calls him this. I'm sorry, in verse, in verse 15. When the Lord answered and said, Thou hypocrite. He called him a hypocrite. Why? Because this ruler of the, of the synagogue was just playing the role. He was just playing the role of a religious leader, just playing that role, just acting upon that role, and had no genuine heart for God. And I'm asking the Lord this morning to help all of us to truly have a genuine heart for God, to deliver us from dead, cold heartlessness, as a hypocrite would be, but truly have a genuine heart for the things of God. This man lost sight of God. Don't lose sight. Don't lose sight of God. Stay close to Him. Stay tender. Stay tender to the working of the Holy Spirit in your life and tender to the working of God's Word in your life. Stay tender. So we see, number one, this woman's condition. Number two, we see this this uh, ruler's indignation, and lastly, number three, I want to see the people's glorification, all right? Now, again, I, I like to ask a question, and sometimes when we uh, look at an individual like this and uh, who's going through a great difficulty, this woman, uh, going through a great difficulty in her life, we, we have questions, and maybe as you consider your life and you, you, you go through difficulties, trying times, difficult days, whatever it may be, you too have questions such as, such as this, why is this happening to me? Or this one, why do good things happen, or bad things happen rather to, to good people? Or why does a good God allow evil things to happen? Questions like that, those type of questions, let me ask you real quick, have you ever had those questions? Maybe you didn't verbalize them out loud, but you mumbled them in your heart. Anybody like that? I've had those moments, just being transparent. I've had my times like that, you know. Or I've asked questions such, such as that. And uh, you know, as you look at this woman in the text and knowing her condition, how she has suffered and suffered for so long and suffered at the terrible treatment of the devil, don't you think she may have had that, may have had that question and wondered, why is this happening to me? Because it would seem this woman was a very faithful lady to try to, Serve the Lord, daughter of Abraham, Jewish lady, going to the synagogue. I mean, good night. You're suffering this way for 18 years. Don't you think you would give her a pass to stay home? I mean, surely. But she wouldn't. She came faithfully to the synagogue. So don't you think maybe, she maybe at least had this one thought in her heart, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Could that answer be found in verse 17? Look at it with me. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. All the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Did you notice the, all the alls there in that text where it says all of his adversaries were ashamed. They were made to blush. They were made to sink back within themselves. Here's some Greek for you. Uh, Jesus just embarrassed the junk out of them. All right. Uh, that's what happened here. They're put in shame. All, all the adversaries were ashamed. Then the Bible says, all the people rejoiced. They were happy, joyful, glad in the Lord. Why? Because here's another all. For all the glorious things that he did, which was what? Healing of the woman, helping of this woman, 
showing his power to heal, showing his power over this infirmity that Satan had bound her with, showing his power over the devil. They rejoice in, in this. No doubt, it's very amazing and exciting to read. I love this miracle. Started out very pitiful, <laughs> ends up very rejoice, very much rejoicing in the very end of it. It's amazing to read and to see. It's exciting. It's exciting, especially to compare the whole miracle together. But, but do you know why? It's really exciting to me. Do you, do you know why it's really exciting? Because every bit of this, listen, every bit of this miracle points Jesus. It points to his power. It points to what he can do. It points to the person of who he is. It points to his compassion, his kindness, his grace, his mercy, his goodness. It points to the very fact, yet again, as all the miracles do, that this man is not just a man. No, he is God in the flesh. But understand something. You would not have that last verse here if you didn't have the previous verses, you say, yeah, that's a smart concept, Pastor. Of course you wouldn't have that. Of course you wouldn't have verse 17 without 16, 15, 14, whatever. What I mean is this. You would not have this precious second if you didn't have the previous 18 hard years. You would not have this time of rejoicing without those times that were very much sad. What I'm trying to tell you is this. There was a great purpose behind this woman's condition. There's a great purpose behind it. And it was this, to point to the fact of who Jesus is. To point to the glory of God. To point that Jesus is the Son of God. To point that this is God Himself. To point to Christ. It had a purpose. Society may have looked at this lady and thought, man, she's just pitiful. What a tragedy. It's just a, it's just a waste. That's so sad. But understand nothing, nothing, listen, nothing is wasted with God. Nothing. Your brokenness, your messy life, your conditions you didn't ask for, none of that is wasted. If you give it to God, He can take it and use it for a greater purpose than you ever could imagine in your life just as He did for this woman here, we have seen it over and over and over again as we looked at these miracles. How God had a greater purpose behind these things to allow these things to happen. For a greater purpose, to point people to who Jesus is. I love how Paul summed it up. How he summed it up, how the things he suffered. There's no man who suffered more than the Apostle Paul himself. Physically, mentally, emotionally, and every other elite. He suffered it. No man's more suffered more than him. But he summed it up, the purpose behind all of that suffering that came down his way. Here's what he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me, here's the reason, have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He said, this is the reason that I've suffered so much so that I can see the gospel go forward. Could it be some of the suffering that we face and difficulties we face in our life, could it be that God's going to allow you to get through that as you keep your focus and your mind fixed upon Christ? He's going to allow you to go through it and get you through it 
Because down the road, there's going to be somebody going through the exact same thing you're going through now. And guess what? You're going to be able to help them and show them how you got through it and point them to Jesus Christ. God has a greater purpose behind all these things. We don't choose these difficulties for ourselves. Good night. If we're going to make a choice, we're going to choose comfort. Anybody like comfort? All right, me too. Anybody like air conditioner? Amen. Okay. Heat in the winter, which you're going to need a lot of, I hear. Okay. Heat in the winter, air in the winter, summer, we, we like to be comfortable. We wouldn't choose these other things for our lives, but sometimes God allows them. Why? There's a greater purpose down the road. If you allow Him to use it and point people to Christ. So the question really for us this morning is this. Are we going to allow Him to use it? Are we going to stay tender, stay close? Keep our hearts and minds fixed upon Christ through this terrible, horrendous time we never would have chose for ourselves. But in the end, God can use that for His glory in a marvelous way. And when you allow Him to use it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be just like these people here in verse 17 when it says, And when He had said these things, all the adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for the glorious things that were done by end of it all you will be able to sit back or fall upon your face or leap in the air but you'll do this you'll, you'll rejoice in the Lord for the great things he hath done you will you will rejoice in the Lord so understand this woman's condition it was horrendous for 18 years I couldn't imagine but Jesus came by helped her in her helpless state because he saw her he knew what was going on helped her. This man who was got his eyes off the Lord got mad about all that. But we see in the end why really this allowed, was allowed to happen. Because these people were pointed to the Lord. And no doubt this woman could have gone back to her family, back to her friends, back to her town and pointed everybody to Jesus. They knew this woman who was bowed over, doubled over. They knew. And then just out of one synagogue service, she went from three foot to five and a half foot tall. You know what I mean? So that'd be the kind of service I'd want to get in on. Right? Anyway, you know, I always want to be six foot, two hundred pounds. One had two ain't bad, I guess. You know. But listen, not, what I'm trying to tell you is her life was changed, and she was able to point others to the Lord as that reason for her life being changed. So let God use the times in your life now, down the road, to point others to. Himself.